0: Hi, everyone. I'm Mark Renee, and this is Play by Play with me. You'll figure out it's a play on words. It's a little playful. We're going to have a little fun, if we can, while we're riding out this coronavirus, and most of us are shut in. And I thought that if I was going to do something based on play by play, that I should talk to some of my friends who do or have done over the course of the years play by play. And when I thought of this concept the other day, there was no one else I could think of to be the first guest on episode one, volume one, episode one, than the guy I believe to be, and maybe somebody out there has a cleaner or a clearer record than I do, but uh, my guest is who I believe to be my first professional play-by-play partner back in the day. We won't even say how long ago, but uh, Pete Medhurst is with us and and Pete does play-by-play for Navy football and basketball. He's got some other things uh, that he works on, and we'll let him tell you all about that. First of all, Peter Medhurst, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, Welcome to Play-by-Play with me, and thanks for stopping by.
1: Hey, Mark, pleased to do it. Any chance I get a chance uh, to get back together with you, Uh, it's always a good time. And uh, no doubt, we're all looking for, you know, things to pass some time, and I know obviously – uh, you're up there uh, in the New York metropolitan area, which has been hit so hard. And I know all of our thoughts and prayers are with those uh, all around the world that have uh, been befell by this virus and certainly hope we can come up with uh, some sort of cure soon so life can, you know, just like we were looking for after 9-11, Mark, we're just looking for a, a smidge of normalcy. And normalcy will change for all of us, uh, even in, uh, you know, uh, the, the close of this virus eventually. but. Uh, you know hopefully we can uh, get people better and uh, get life back to some sort of
0: normalcy for everybody. Yeah, amen to that my friend. Uh, catch everybody up. What are you doing these days?
1: Uh pretty easy right now. Uh obviously I work uh you know uh, in DC for uh Intercom at 1067 the Fan. And um uh, you know right now my play-by-play duties include uh obviously being the full-time play-by-play voice of the Naval Academy. We have 33 varsity sports, so I do everything from water polo to wrestling and uh everything in between, all the Uh, football the basketball uh, lacrosse uh, both men's and women's uh, and that's the great thing you know we've got you know with those 33 varsity sports if we can put a camera on it we'll at least try it once Uh, and it's given me a great opportunity through the years I've done swimming now uh, you know with uh, Rowdy Gaines who of course is the the world's ambassador uh, on TV uh, of swimming and it's really opened up a lot of great avenues for me in terms of Uh, experience and also still doing horse racing at Rosecroft Raceway uh, filling at Charlestown uh, for their great announcer Paul Espinosa Jr. And uh, also do a couple of I I seem to be I seem to be the guy that always draws the games at Rutgers on the Big Ten Network. And uh, I love going up there to do lacrosse. It's a great uh, stadium. And uh, Coach Brecht has a terrific product there at Rutgers. So uh, the last couple of years I've been up to Rutgers a bunch uh, doing lacrosse on the Big Ten Network is uh, I've had a chance uh, to do that as well and expand uh, the profile a little bit.
0: I saw you up at West Point for an Army-Navy basketball game a couple of years ago, uh, which was my first time up at Crystal probably in 25 years, and it was it was great to see you and spend some time with you. But you buried the lead, dude. You got to do play-by-play last year for the World Series champs.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, I got to do 15 games for the Washington Nationals, and um, uh, this year my role – uh, if and when we do play baseball will at least expand to uh, doing the post game shows uh, Monday through Thursday from all the home games. And um, you know, I had at least been given a temporary schedule early in the season of a couple of play-by-play opportunities. Obviously those are not going to uh, occur now. And uh, whether any occurred during the course of what will be a shortened season, I don't know. I don't, I don't anticipate that now, but um, there's no question doing that in the 15 games. Uh, 14 and one, uh, in those games. So, yeah, you know, not too bad. So oh, no, I'm, sorry. You no, were I'm sorry. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me go back. 13 and two. Okay. 13 still, and two. Don't want to, that's... don't want to embellish. Uh, but it's ironic that their run coincided. It started, they had a, some tail end of a success at a series in Miami, but it really got going. <laughs> they had an off day on a Monday, had a Tuesday, Wednesday in Atlanta, uh, and we blew out the Braves twice the second game. It was just Strasburg at his finest. The game before with Sanchez was uh, fabulous. And that's really when they got on that roll. We had an off day on a Thursday, and then we went to Cincinnati and, and won two out of three uh, with the Reds. And uh, it really took off from there for the Nationals. And to be around that group, and, I mean, Mark, we've all been around teams in, in all different levels. We've been in locker rooms, and you know – when there is a genuine sense of like, and you also know when there's a genuine sense of dislike oh, yeah. within a clubhouse, it's easy to to fester out. Mark, this was by far the most harmonious group of players that I have ever come across on the professional level uh, in terms of how much they liked each other, but more importantly, Mark, how much they played for each other. And there you know even with anthony Rendon signing elsewhere here in the offseason there was no bitterness there was no well he doesn't want to be here you know good riddance i mean everybody has had nothing but pleasurable things to say about anthony Rendon and obviously taking the opportunity that came to him uh, out there with the angels and i think that tells you a lot about a group's professionalism how they attack their business and and really how they don't uh, in some cases, over-dramatize things that go on. And, you know, Davey Martinez was very simple with this group. If there was a negative day, hey, let's make the next day a better day. And it was, it was really something as simple as that that really kept harmony going. And, and at 19 and 31, they didn't get down on themselves. And uh, they were able to attack things from a professional standpoint and eventually – uh, obviously things broke their way with a tremendous World Series win over Houston.
0: you know what's interesting about that is that nineteen and thirty-one reminded me of the Giants start on their run to Super Bowl 42. I think it was 0-2, and, and they were playing the Redskins, if memory serves. Trailing at halftime, the the calls for Tom Coughlin to be fired were louder and louder and louder, and somehow they turned around that game, they pulled it out, and they wound up eventually, you know, beating the Patriots, obviously, to spoil New England Super Bowl season. And you know that lifted Coughlin into the coaching stratosphere, and I and I thought of pretty much the second half of last season, how Davey Martinez had been on that hot seat too, and you know the the cries were loud and 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 very ugly for him to get canned, and um, management down there, Mike Rizzo and company, um, waited it out. Obviously, knew they had something cooking, and uh, you wound up broadcasting for the World Series champs. Now at thirteen and two. I'm thinking Pete Medhurst deserves a world series, ring, So Uh, you're not going to lobby for it yourself, but here we are. I'm carrying the banner for you.
1: I did not lobby for one, but I was measured for one. So at some point uh, that uh, ceremony, I believe was supposed to take place on April the 4th, the first home weekend series of the season uh, for the team. So uh, at some point that presentation may occur, uh, even if it's just a quiet handshake, here you go. We appreciate what you did for us last right. year. Mm-hmm. I, I'm all for that, but obviously, it's it, their memories. And look, as we as we progress in this profession, Mark, we all want to we all want to strive for the highest opportunity that we can gain uh, for ourselves. And I've I've always thrown you know myself in and just like I said earlier, I mean if if you ask me to broadcast water polo i'm going to throw the same enthusiasm into it and i had a a fan at navy one time i thought paid me perhaps the greatest compliment that anyone can pay you and the fact is you know she said that i will i will tune in to listen to you broadcast water polo wrestling because it's you, because I like the style in which you announce. I like the en- mm. the enthusiasm that you bring to every event. You make me interested in it, even though I may not be on the surface interested in it or not have a vested interest with a, a friend or student athlete or anything that's participating. And that's always kind of resonated with me is that's why you need to give every opportunity your very best because you never know what kind of fan you may make out of someone uh, when given the opportunity. And, you know, being able to work with Charlie Slows, the pride of, of Fordham University, and, and Dave Jagler, they are two of the very best. And, and the one thing I, I even learned from from them is you could take preparation even further. And, you know, if not for the voice of the New England Patriots, Bob Sosie, I, I don't know where I would really be in, in these annals, Mark, because Bob's the one who really pounded preparation Uh, into me when I was his backup at the Naval Academy. And obviously, he's now the voice of the Patriots. He's been able to parlay that into a, a tremendous gig there with Scott Zolak. But, you know, if you put the preparation in, it means you can attack the game enthusiastically and not from a timid standpoint. It's just like a player who attacks the game. If you don't know what you're doing, you're going to be timid out on the field or out on the court and you're going to end up costing your team. Well, it's the same way in our profession, Mark. If you attack it in a very timid manner, an unprepared manner, you find yourself, you know, not at your best. Where you can't just boom, free flow, and let's go because you know what you're talking about. And I think that you can tell, you can tell in our business, and maybe because we have more critical ears than the, the the lay fan out there, but you can tell when someone is just mailing it in. Uh, at a particular game or doesn't have the enthusiasm, you know, all I ask is at the end of a, at the end of a ball game or in a big moment, big moment can come at any time, you know, but deliver that moment for the fans who are watching the game. And, and, you know, that's, that's one of the, my bigger pet peeves about our business now is we we've got some people that uh, prepare from a, I know who that is standpoint, but they just don't deliver the moment. And, And that's, that's what I think part of our business and the entertainment of it is, We've got to deliver that moment for the fan, whether we're on the radio, whether we're on television. And there are just great guys in our profession that deliver that moment all the time. And those are the people uh, that you want to be like. You can't be them, but you can certainly learn from them. And that the beauty of working with Charlie and Dave uh, this past year, those guys deliver in every big situation. You go back and listen to that World Series, man. Charlie and Dave didn't miss a mark. I mean, it, it, was, so, it was so good uh, to listen to those guys. Ah, uh, during the course uh, of the playoffs and especially the World Series,
0: it's always fun to listen to guys calling things that have never happened before. And obviously, the the Nationals franchise going back to Montreal had never been to a World Series, let alone won a World Series, and and that must have been one heck of a ride, even for the Mets fans around here who weren't really thrilled about it. We won't talk about that. Um, <laughs> let me you
1: gotta keep little... your you got to you got to keep your pitchers healthy up there, like we did. We sat Steven Strasburg out. And it worked out for us.
0: Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. (laughs) It's going to depress me even more than everything else that's happening in the world. Um, Speaking of which, it's a terrible segue, but I really did want to get a little bit serious. Um, What are you missing the most right now? Uh, Not being able to call games, not being able to go through your regular routine. Is there any one particular thing that you think about regularly and say, wow, I can't believe I'm not doing this? I miss my kids
1: at the Naval Academy and I miss my seniors because at the service academies, Mark, those kids aren't going to get that, that spring season back. And um, I I think about the seniors in our lacrosse programs. I think about our outdoor track seniors and, and I I think about our baseball team who got off to our baseball team had won 14 in a row. They were 14 and one at the time uh, of the stoppage. And, Uh, It certainly appeared as if they and Army were going to be on another collision course as they have those two institutions have really dominated Patriot League Baseball here of late. But I I feel for them, Mark, because the NCAA, of course, yesterday, uh, you know, made it official that, you know, seniors are going to be able to come back if schools can figure out how to fit them in academically and obviously financially. But the kids at the Naval Academy, the kids at West Point, kids at Air Force, they're not going to get that opportunity. So, Mark, they miss that they miss the rest of that final season that that you know that 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 final bow in front of the home fans I mean lacrosse is so huge for us down here in Maryland Uh, the Naval Academy is one of the you know premier lacrosse programs in terms of its rich history and you know we had finally got you know we'd gone a couple years without playing Johns Hopkins the chief rival we got them back on the schedule that game's unable to be played and um, you know so the fans lose out and but more importantly our kids lose out those are the kids I feel for I, I miss them right now and you know, certainly with this week, baseball, um, you know, missing it, its it starting spot. Uh, you know, we, we just keep wondering, you know, what it's going to look like and when it's going to be like, and you miss opening day. I mean, opening day is, is a different kind of day in a sports calendar, Mark. I mean, it's just uh, for someone that doesn't like baseball, it's really hard to get them to feel what you feel as a baseball fan but you know I I was explaining to my my wife the other day and I'm like you know this is the first spring where I've had this many days in a row where I've been home and Mm -hmm. I haven't been doing anything since I was five years old because I was either playing baseball I was broadcasting baseball I was covering baseball I was umpiring baseball it was always something in my spring calendar and I've never had this many days in a row uh without it so you know I go back and uh, case in point, you, you can go to navysports.com. For, I know there's a lot of folks out there uh, in the Long Island area, big in, in terms of lacrosse. Uh, one of our great women's players, Kelly Larkin, had a chance to just break some significant NCAA records and put herself in an immortal class of players. And she's not going to get a chance uh, to finish that off. And, you know, like I said, those are, those are the people I hurt for the most, Mark, because I watch what those kids do as student-athletes. Each and every day, I know what they do on a limited practice schedule, a limited practice uh, regimen because of all that is asked of them uh, as student athletes at a, at a service Academy. Uh, and, and those are the kids I heard for the most because there, there were some kids on top of some uh, potentially great things and they won't obviously get a chance uh, to fulfill those opportunities.
0: Well, you mentioned uh, not being able to be at baseball. Really. It's, it's not an opportunity for many people to do much of anything um how are you passing the time how are you filling the void
1: uh obviously outside
0: of your WJFK work obviously yeah I
1: mean you know right now I'm working from home I'm doing a seven to two shift and then I'm hosting a show with uh Danny Ruye from our midday show from 12 to three on Sundays but otherwise it's literally the moment that last update at two o'clock is over my 11 year old daughter is at the door going dad you know, can we go outside and shoot? Can we go outside? Uh, she's really taken a volleyball here of late. So we're going outside. We're in the driveway. We're bumping, we're practicing setting and uh, she's practicing serving the other day. We, you know, we went to a park, a local park around here. We went, by the time we had stopped walking, uh, we had walked eight miles
0: oh. and,
1: you know, believe me, I felt it the next day. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, you know, she has so much energy and, you know, obviously she's looking for things to do. She's, you know, an honor roll student, been on the principal's honor roll, uh, been a, been in Girl Scouts, plays the viola, sings in the chorus, and has played three sports. So, you know, she's used to constantly being on the go and, and trying to, you know, find, trying to fill her time has become my biggest uh, mission. Once I get off the air is making sure that she gets enough time because quite frankly. This is the first time in a while, Mark, that I've been able to give her time and yeah. give her the kind of time uh, that she deserves. So, uh, I, I've, its it's been kind of a, you know, for me, it, it's been kind of a breath of fresh air to be able to uh, do things with her. And, you know, she's the one that constantly – she knows my schedule as, as well as I do. You've got this tonight, and she knows what time I'm going to be home because, you know, even at the age of 11, daddy tucking her in still means – Uh, a lot to her and and, and being her father, uh, you know, means a lot to me. So uh, that's, that's one of the reasons, That's one of the the biggest things I've been able to do uh, to pass the time, because as you all are under the same, you know, quarantine measures and everything like that, um, we've all been encouraged certainly to stay home. Some of us are following that a little bit better than others. Um, And I think that the faster we follow the advice um, perhaps the, the faster uh, we can get back to, A, keeping people healthy and, and, and keeping them from dying uh, and, and getting back to uh, the lives that we've certainly enjoyed uh, for you know, a great portion of our lives.
0: Amen And that. Brings me to my next question. First thing you do when we get the all clear?
1: Uh, wow. First thing, first thing I do uh, is when's, when is the next Nats home game? Uh, so I know to make sure I count for my post game duties uh, <laughs> at that point um, and probably uh, fire up my arbiter uh, as a sports official, because uh, I know at least of umpiring you triple uh, fast bridge softball during the course of the se- summer uh, will fire back up. And, you know, hopefully we get the all clear before Rosecroft's meet was supposed to end. And we could do some of that, but uh, certainly uh, hope getting, the, looking at that baseball schedule and, maybe even putting everybody in the car and, and just driving somewhere, Mark. Uh, you know, right now I've been pretty fortunate. My oldest son, uh, both of my sons coach college basketball, and my oldest is here with us right now, him and his girlfriend and their dog. And, um, you know, we, we, we don't really see him because he coaches in Pennsylvania. So uh, it's been kind of a, you know, nice reprieve to have him home with us here uh, for a little while since coaches can't go out on the road and recruit uh, and stuff like that. So, you know, maybe we all just jump in the car and go somewhere. I don't care where it is. I, if it's up to my, my wife and the rest of the family, it's probably toward a beach somewhere. Okay. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see because I, I, I know my family, especially, uh, you know, my daughter and my wife, they, they love going to the beach. So maybe we take a ride out to Ocean City or something like that just to get out for a day and, uh, and, and head near the water.
0: Well, it's funny. You know, when I came back from Del Marva all those years ago, the first thing I did was I stopped the car in the middle of Times Square and I rolled down all the windows and I looked around and I said, there are more people that I can see 360 degrees around than there were in the entire <laughs> county I just came from. And I'm, I I haven't done it since, Pete. And I'm thinking that when we're allowed to do it, I think that's the first thing I'm going to do. I'm going to drive back to that same corner and I'm going to roll the windows down and I'm just going to take a look around and hopefully it'll be just as populated as it was back then. And I'll say, wow, you know, this is, this is how it should be.
1: I, I think for those that, and obviously I've had a chance to, to be there a couple of times myself, when you, when you realize just what the heartbeat of that city there in New York means, not only locally, but it does, it, it I think most Americans who, um, you know, venture outside of their inner circle a little bit, um, really understand what New York stands for and, and what it symbolizes uh, in America and about America. Uh, the heartbeat of that city is unlike any other. We saw it uh, in the response uh, after 9-11, and I don't doubt we're going to see it again. It's, it's, it's a group of people that are going to need our support Uh, no question about it, with uh, as many lives that have been lost and likely are still to be lost uh, there as a result uh, of this pandemic. But, you know, the resiliency of those people and the the joy to be around. I've never had a bad experience in that city, uh, whether it's doing a game at uh, Columbia, which I've done now uh, a couple of times. I did an Army-Navy women's game at Madison Square Garden, and it just seems like every time uh, I end up in that area – Uh, I'm just, I see the joy of the people and and I want to, I want to feel that joy and that enthusiasm and share that with those people, uh, yet again, coming up.
0: All right. We call this play by play with me. We're focusing on play. We're trying to be playful. So I need to take us back in that direction. If you don't terribly mind. And I have been beating around the bush for the last 25 minutes or so about how you and I crossed paths back in 1989 at a radio station called WDMV, in <laughs> Oak City, Maryland. And I, it, it, this, I, I made a list, a template of questions. Not that I'm James Lipton or anything, but I, I did make a template uh, list of questions. Um, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I know what I would answer. Um, what do you, Pete Medhurst, consider to be the launching point or the uh, turning point of your career? Wow. Um if not working with me at WDMV.
1: Well, I look at it this way. The, the launching point was definitely being able to do Pocomoke High School Basketball with you because it was the first opportunity for me uh, outside of using a Panasonic tape recorder in front of a television set um, to, to practice doing play-by-play that I actually got to do you know, legitimate announcing on a game. And you know I remember as we climbed up... Uh, we didn't have steps, Mark. We had to climb up the side of those tables um, up there in the corner. Right. And being able to put on a headset and and do a basketball game uh, was, was tremendous. I mean, I thought it was the greatest thing ever. And and let's face it, could we have done – and it was so funny. I was reading about it. I was reading a Q&A a couple years ago that Mitch Northam did with um david burrow Potomac high school coach and athletic director and he was he talked about you know how you know in those times Potomac was the only school at one time that had their games being broadcast specifically in the state of maryland and, I, and when he read when he said that line all i could think about that was me and mark her name wow, we were trembling. We you know and i'm we thinking no of, i think back i think back to the to the great players they had that you know gerald crawlswell as well and Mike Roberts, who went on, and here, how about this? How about a kid from Pocomoke City, Lower Eastern Shore, population, you know, an eyelash, and he ends up at Colgate University, and, and what that represented yeah. uh, for that community, uh, and Mike still lives in New York, I still talk to him uh, all the time, and, and for a kid in Pocomoke City to aspire to a great academic school like Colgate and have the success uh, that he did, Eric Bailey and Derek Clark, and and all the kids that played. And how about the fact that you know even up the road within Worcester County, there's Snow Hill. Alan Miller had tremendous teams, and I ended up being able to broadcast their state championship game. Uh, they went undefeated, and Sharon Mills, who eventually went on to VCU, uh, was was just amazing. It was one of the greatest teams the Eastern Shore. Uh, had ever seen. So to be able to, to do that and, and, and be able to share that with that community down there that it meant so much too, uh, that, that was a lot of fun. There's no question about it. I think in terms of a turning point for my career, there's no question the turning point was being able to back up Bob Sosie at Navy uh, starting in 1997-98 97 98 school year. Um, I went with Navy. I got to do two basketball games, one at Northeastern We got blown out. Uh, Two days later, we went to uh, New Hampshire, lost by two. And from then on, I'd become Bob's backup, and they needed someone to help out with the lacrosse broadcasts. So I would help Bob through the March games, and then when Bob had to go do his minor league duties uh, with uh, the Albuquerque Isotopes at the time um, and before eventually calling the games in Norfolk, I would take over doing the lacrosse broadcast. So doing those lacrosse broadcasts was really like my first foray into, you know, a college play-by-play job that was halfway mine at that point. Um, And, again, I was a baseball player growing up, Mark, and I tell kids this all the time. Don't ever, especially now, don't ever turn down an opportunity because you may not have played the sport or don't know a whole lot about it. There are so many resources available out there to you now You can be caught up on a sport within an hour now uh, that you may never have thought about broadcasting in your life. Don't ever turn down the opportunity because you don't know a whole lot about it. You can figure it out. I mean, I've done it with water polo. I've done it with wrestling and all the other great sports. Uh, Joe Miller, my colleague at Navy, you know, we've done track and field together now uh, in addition to doing the football and the lacrosse and everything that we do. So don't turn down the opportunity to get a live microphone from someone because you fear, you know, you you fear not being able to do it. It, A little bit of preparation, a little bit of reading up, talking to people who are involved in that sport, you can get yourself caught up pretty quickly, and you never know where that opportunity may take you, as it did here with Navy. That opened the door for me that, obviously, uh, I've been sitting in the room ever since.
0: I wound up doing exactly the same thing when St. Francis in Brooklyn asked me to do men's volleyball. I had... Not seen a volleyball match outside of the Olympics, I think, since I was playing in a high school gym, and much like my uh, college lacrosse play by play when it was offered, I said, "Sure, I can do it and then I scrambled to you know learn the rules and terminology and everything and i honestly I'd, I'd like to think because some of the things that happen in the course of the volleyball matches i owned up that listen something's happening right now that I am not familiar with so I I think the fact that you can be honest about not knowing everything sort of helps whoever's listening or watching embrace you and understand that you know you're not an expert but you're also not coming across as an expert and you know I I think we were able to grow even though our season got cut short too obviously um, I think we were able to grow the audience a little bit and have you know we got some really good feedback which was great you know you know, kind of hoping, not that this is a lobby for it on this particular podcast, but I'm hoping that they'd have me back to do some more um, next season. Now, Pete Medhurst, you've done literally dozens of sports over the course of your career. What's your favorite sport? I know baseball is your game, personally, but from a play-by-play standpoint, what's your favorite to call?
1: That's uh, a, it's a great question. Um, I've never tried to discern between them because it keeps my enthusiasm fresh and I'm glad to hear you doing volleyball. I got to tell you, volleyball is one of my hidden loves, man. I do it at Navy and I love it, especially now in the rally scoring era. It is so much better than back in the day. Can you imagine when guys were were doing play by play and it was, you had to have the serve just to score a point. I mean, you would have some three and a half, four hour volleyball marathons out there. Rally scoring makes it a much better game uh, for broadcasters and the fans now. But I think, you know, I, because I have done the Army-Navy football game so many times now, it's probably football just a smidge over basketball, and only because I've I, I've seen that pinnacle and what that game means. It's it's just like you know when Eli Gold welcomes in a crowd for Auburn and Alabama. Uh, you know I I think about all the you know the great rivalries in sports, and you think about wow I, I'm one of the few guys that has actually been able to welcome people inside an army navy game and i you know just like uh, our colleague rich Demarco, who does it uh, on the army side uh, the the rutgers grad very uh, great just a terrific announcer in his own right um you know the fact that we can bring people into the army navy game and what that means um it gives me goosebumps and i mean i i i mean i'm in borderline tears at the end of some of these games when i watch some of the festivities. And I always, I make it a point to tweet out, Mark, when a, when an opposing team other than army stands out on the field, either behind or alongside our kids for the playing of the alma mater. Cause we play the alma mater at the end of every one of our games, especially uh-huh. at home. And when I watch a team take the courtesy to stand out there with our guys, I always make sure to point it out because I think it's a classy gesture. I think it, Also tells me that that coach and that program understands and respects what the heck our kids uh, stand for. So I I think I think just a smidge, maybe smidge, football over basketball, but it's not by much. uh, That's for sure. And especially after doing Major League Baseball this year, I mean, I don't know how you, you know, maybe you got to be like Gene Steratore and take a credit card out to try and, (laughs) you know, uh, see the difference where that chain gets pulled at the end to see what the difference is. But it's it's not by much. That's for sure.
0: All right. Just between you and me, nobody else is listening. And for all we know, literally, nobody else is listening. How long did it take you to get uh, Coach Niumatalolo's name down?
1: You know, it's so funny. Did I say it right, by the way? uh, It's close. Ken Niumatalolo.
0: Niumatalolo. Okay.
1: Uh, Yeah. You know, I remember we went down to South Carolina a few years ago. And Steve Spurrier, the week of the game, you know, his press conference and everything, he just abandoned the ship on it. He just called him Coach Ken. You know, I know Coach Ken's (laughs) going to have those guys prepared. Uh, It's a really good football team. I personally don't see what is so hard about saying it. If you just simply take it, syllabalistically, I don't know if if that's even a word, what it is, you just go, Neil Matalolo. So, I think if you take the time, and, and don't be intimidated by it, don't be intimidated trying to say somebody's name. Just go ask them, how do you say your name? And more often than not, you'll find out it's not as scary coming out of their mouth as it may look in print. And I think that's what happens to some people, Mark. I think they get intimidated when they see it in print and they go, man, how do I say that? And when you go talk to him, oh, okay, that's not really that bad. Uh, so I, I, from the start, I pretty much, uh, you know, every now and then sometimes we, you'll hear people and, and we're all guilty of it going, Niaa as like it's NIA as opposed to NIU. Right. Um, but we're all, you know, we're all pretty close, at least to, in the Navy circles on how to say, uh, or is he like, the, you know, people call him on campus Nehemat. Uh they, they leave the rest of it off. But uh, when you've been as successful as he has for as long as he has at the Naval Academy, uh, you're almost like one of those uh, worldly soccer players that they know by one word. And right now they, they know him as Nehemat, uh around the campus uh, in Annapolis.
0: I guess coach Ken is okay. If you can get away with Tua and Giannis instead of Tonga Vailoa and, and Tedekumpo, right? Coach Ken, I guess is okay.
1: Dude. I mean, I, I think about this and, and pe- one of the, uh, it was years ago, but people, one of the greatest compliments somebody ever gave me was when they heard me doing tennis names on, on my updates and, and you obviously, so someone that's been so involved in tennis uh, and broadcasting it for so many years with your U S open work, If you can get tennis players' names correct, then you can sure as heck get Ken Niamatololo uh, Hmm. correct in terms of pronouncing his name. Because as you well know, some of those – at least Coach Ken's name looks like it sounds. There are a lot of tennis names, Mark, that if you look at it on paper, that's not what comes out (laughs) of their mouth Uh, when you try to pronounce it uh, during the course of a match or the results, that's for sure.
0: All right, you led me into two quick stories. First one, I know you're an Orioles guy, so you'll appreciate this. And you mentioned you don't know how to pronounce somebody's name, you go to the source. So here in New York years ago, we were having discussions about Mike Messina when he was on the Yankees. And his nickname is Moose, and some people called him Moosina, some people called him Musina, some people called him Messina. So I was tasked by my radio station with going and asking Mike Messina, how do you say your name? Well, it happened to be a Sunday. He wasn't pitching, but it was the afternoon that the All-Star team was being announced. And so I get into the clubhouse at Yankee Stadium 2, and there's Moose holding court. People are asking him about, you know, how disappointed he might be that he didn't make the All-Star team because he was snubbed, and he didn't really care. He wanted to spend more time with the family anyway. So I wait for the scrum to break up. And I walk over with my tape recorder and my microphone, and I said, Hi, Mike. Um, you know, Mark Renee from 1010 Wins. I just have to ask you a quick question, and I'm really sorry it has to be today, given the timing. I said, But we've been, you know, debating in the office and around town, you know, for the sports update guys, how to pronounce your name. So, what I'd like to do, if you don't mind, I'm going to start recording. I'm going to give you the microphone, and I'm going to ask you to say your name. So he takes the microphone, and you know, Mike, kind of a wise guy, right? Stanford educated, you know, big crossword puzzle guy. Dry, very dry sense of humor so he says okay takes the microphone and he's holding it and he says well, now what do you want me to do again I said all I need you to do is say your name and he looks at me dead in the eye and he says your name <laughs> typical Mike Messina right oh my
1: god that's so I eventually I, I ev- yeah
0: so I eventually get him you know to <laughs> To give me Messina. And then, you know, when I was trying to get it down pat, I said, like logins and. And he went, oh, yeah, I like those guys. So that's how we decided we were going to call him um, Mike Messina. Now, here's the other one. Um, back in the pre internet days, there were three of us sports guys working in the same location. So it was 1010 wins, WCBS, and Bloomberg Radio. And we decided, because pronunciations were hard to come by, that if there was a name, that was a question, we would take a vote among the three of us, and we'd go with the consensus. So we all sink or we all swim. And there was a hockey player with Vancouver and and a couple of other teams on the back of his jersey, N-E-C-K-A-R. And I use this as an example for all of my sports broadcasting students too, that you can never assume anything. So you figure N-E-C-K-A-R, back of his jersey. It's got to rhyme with nectar. So it's either Necker or Necker or Neckar or something, right? It's some variation of Neckar, Necker, whatever it is. So he, did, he didn't score very many goals, but for whatever reason, the three of us decide we're going to call him Necker.) <laughs> <laughs> and I happen to be home on a Saturday night watching I'm pretty sure it was the Rangers playing Vancouver, and this guy scores a goal. and Sam Rosen, God bless Sam Rosen, right? longtime voice of the Rangers. He's been at it for almost 40 years now doing the Rangers. He does Fox NFL. And, a bunch of other things. And I, you know, Stanislav Netskash scores a power play goal. And I'm like, who the heck is Netskash? And I see he's doing the high fives down the bench and he spins around. He goes back to the, you know, to the face-off circle. And on the back of his jersey, it's N-E-C-K-A-R. And I went, son of a gun, it's Netskash. Like, how did he get Netskash out of that? But well, that I swear to you, that was the last time I got a name wrong.
1: You know, the great thing, too, is when, when Sam Rosen's voice you know it's Sam Rosen because he's been doing it for so long. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's someone that you can trust in a situation like that, it's Sam Rosen. And, and, again, that goes back to my point about tennis players. Sometimes those names don't look sound anything like it looks like oh. uh, on paper. That's one of them right there. And oh. hockey has a few of those as well.
0: Yeah, that was uh, – but those two, the Messina story and the Netscare story are, are two of my favorites when it comes to stuff like that. Um, we've gone through a lot of stuff. I know you said uh, football edges out basketball in terms of your favorite sports to call. Do you have – I have to imagine you have at least one play-by-play call of yours that stands out above all the others over the course of three-plus decades. What would it be? Uh boy.
1: Anything – well, from a uh, just a internal, in my heart standpoint, obviously – uh, anything with the Nationals and doing the play-by-play this year it didn't matter uh, what game it was. It meant so much to me because I know how many people aspire uh, to do that. But I have to—I got to I gotta tell you—the two two things that two two things that really stick out to me. One was, and the the first one is combined. I was able to broadcast one of my oldest son's games in high school, and I actually. Was able to broadcast his first point on varsity uh, as a varsity player, and then my younger one playing at UMBC played against the Naval Academy, and I was able to broadcast one of his games. And he went on to be a 1,000 point scorer uh, at UMBC, and uh, right now is an assistant coach at the Division Three level. So to be able to broadcast a game in which my my boys played in, that was something special. But in, in in my in my lifelong of you know play by play heroes and people I've enjoyed. I mean I, I love so many people that have done this, but I've always had an affection for Vern Lundquist. Vern has always been because I, I saw a lot of what Vern did and what I was trying to do. Vern was as versatile a guy, right? You know, Mark, he could do basketball, he could do golf, he could do football. It didn't matter. Vern could do it. Well, Army Navy game, you know, now they always play a highlight of you know one of the winning teams right. well you know army beat or navy beats army one year and everybody starts messaging me hey Vern lundquist just said your name on the game and everything <laughs> like that i'm like what are you what are you talking about and they're like no they played one of your calls they played one of your calls and um Vern doing that at an army navy game is probably um uh, the the thing that that stands out to me being able to uh tell people chronicle keenan reynolds amazing record-setting run Uh, at the United States Naval Academy, and and the fact that an academy football player, you know, put his name up there amongst the greatest ever in the record books in the history of the game. I mean, you know, right, Keenan and Tim Tebow were, you know, in a lot of the same, in in the running for a lot of the same rushing records by quarterbacks uh, at the same time in their careers. And and to be able to chronicle that for people uh, and to have Vern Lundquist say, hey, Here's Pete Medhurst from the Navy Radio Network. That's awesome. That, that's always that's always gonna that's always gonna stick out um, to me. There's no question about it. But uh, but you know what though, Mark, and, and you know this from, from going into locker rooms for years. And and just like you know the conversation you struck up with with, with Mike Messina, the thing that will always mean the most to me. And I, I go back to the days you and I were in Pokemon. I'm still friends with a lot of those people. I still interact. Uh, with David Byrd's uh, daughters who are now uh, so successful in the field hockey coaching field themselves. They run an amazing summertime program um, that a- enables girls all over the Eastern shore uh, to become travel, uh, participate in travel level field hockey. And, you know, Jody has won, you know, multiple state championships in a row at Del Mar high school. And uh, both her daughters and Julie's daughters have uh, gone on to do what, you know, their aunt, the, the late Susan Pusey, who was David Byrd's sister, uh, have been able to, you know, I mean, I was looking it up earlier today, Pokemok's won, uh, Pocomoke, Pocomoke High School had won 19 of 23 state field hockey championship games wow. uh, that they had been in. And the relationships that I have with those people, with all of the Naval Academy uh, athletes, the the fact that one saturday morning this year mark i found myself standing outside of a hotel and it was just me and adam Eaton, you know standing there on the sidewalk of the nationals just kind of chewing the fat and you know he had a a, a nephew that had uh, undergone some you know some health things that he was chronicling for people on instagram so it was right. it was public knowledge and uh, just being able to you know say hey how how's your nephew doing and to see his appreciation Uh, for that, instead of going, Hey, you know, three, two pitch last night, what were you thinking? I (laughs) think he, you know, and, and the fact that, you know, later on that year after that, I was able to host his car show. He has a a car show for charity that after a Friday night game, eight o'clock Saturday morning, we're in the parking garage at Nats park and you know, we're, we're, he and I are talking about it and to see the teammates of his that had come out to support him at eight o'clock in the morning after a night game. Wow. Um, You know, just being able to develop those kind of relationships with people, those are the things I'll value the most, uh, you know, throughout life. Because, you know, if we don't have relationships with people, it kind of, you know, it kind of makes you wonder what effort did you make um, to really connect with those people and and connect with fans and, you know, being able to the relationships that I've got with fans that have gone on now uh, for several years. Those are the things that no matter how many games I broadcast or how great the games are that I broadcast, those relationships will always be the thing uh, that stick out for me. Uh, You know, the fact that here, you know, you and I got to know each other, you know, back in 1989, (coughs) standing on the top of three sets of tables stacked on top of each other. But yet (laughs) here it is, 2020. And, and we can still talk to each other about those days and, and about our work and uh, stuff like that. You know, I've had you come on our station to talk about the Mets and stuff like that during the course of the season. It's those relationships that mean the most to me, Mark, because um, you can go through life and you can kind of insulate yourself and, and really not have, you know, a, a whole lot of fun doing this. And there are some people that, that choose to do that. I just happen to choose to do it the, the complete 180 the relationships with people, the friendships with people the the camaraderie with the people, all the great people that I 've worked with through the years those things will will be what uh, no matter how much longer I work in this business or how many other games I get to do, just the fact that I can reach out to those people or they reach out to me still uh, means an awful lot to me um, and but it's it 's also this business that has afforded me the opportunity. Uh, to have and make those relationships as well.
0: Indeed. By the way, I have my calendar circled, and it's been circled for a few years now, December 11th, 2021. I know I'll see you before then, but that's the Army-Navy game in the Meadowlands.
1: Yeah, and um, obviously we, we know uh, when that, that game goes out for bid uh, to the different cities, and we've always had good experiences. we played Notre Dame there. Uh, at, at the new st- the new stadium at MetLife, and it was a terrific a terrific experience. And I know they're going to do right by the Army Navy game. Uh, I, I don't doubt that. I mean, I get up to that sports complex. I've, I've been up there to watch races at the Meadowlands now because I'm big into harness racing. So I, I know the city of New York uh, will do it right. And obviously, it's it's, it's a terrible, uh, you know, terrible, uh, you know, thing that obviously makes this anniversary what it is. But at the same time. We owe it to all of those who perished uh, that day or eventually a little bit later on for some of the things that they did that day, especially those first responders and all the people that did uh, yeoman's rescue work around there, whether you were a first responder or not. Um, You know, we owe it to those people to, you know, salute them that day uh, and, and raise one very high. Uh, for those people because um, they, they did things on a moment's notice. There, there's no preparation guide for how you uh, react in situations like that. And, you know, I'm glad we're able to bring the Army-Navy game, uh, you know, to MetLife uh, in 2021, and I know it'll be a, a great experience uh, for all those fans. Whether you have anything to do with West Point or Annapolis or not, um, if you have the opportunity to gain tickets for that game, if you've never been, I, I would encourage anyone – uh, to take the opportunity to do it. You have to do it at least once and see what it's all about. And I think once you do, uh, you'll have a, an idea of why everybody who is a part of it um, says all of the great things uh, about
0: the rivalry and what it stands for. Yeah, I know they call the Masters a tradition like no other. For me, it's, it's Army-Navy, and I'm, I'm pretty sure for you too. Um, listen, we need to wrap this up on a light note because it is play-by-play with me, mm-hmm. emphasis on play. What's your favorite board game?
1: uh believe it or not my favorite board game would probably be life i love life
0: okay <laughs> put that on a bumper sticker i love life <laughs> all right now if pete medhurst and mark ornate play the game of life who wins
1: uh whoever is lucky enough to spin that stupid wheel which has up to <laughs> 10 spots on it and uh, you hope that uh through the course of time Uh, You land on enough good places, you spin it 10, uh, it lands on 10 more than it does for you and I win with a whole car full of kids and I cash them all in when I get to the end at retirement and I win the game.
0: When's the last time you played it?
1: Oh boy, I would say probably about a year, year and a half now it's a, that those kind of believe it or not those kind of games my daughter used to be really into that stuff mm-hmm. but now that she's not into that as much she's into playing games with her friends on her phone and everything like that i had to, a funny story it, you those are the kind of games we used to play we've got all those games down there <laughs> Yahtzee, all that stuff well the other day i tell her i'm like hey i said i need you to come down here she goes hold on i just got arrested <laughs> so, she's playing a game with one of her friends on the phone said, and like, I'm
0: like,
1: I'm like i'm like you know Here's your 11-year-old saying, hold on, I'll be there in a minute. I just got arrested. Right, uh, And that kind of tells you the kind of games that our kids are playing these days.
0: Oh, my goodness. Hey, you know, I, I wish the circumstances for us catching up were better, but I'm so glad we had a chance to do this. And I know I told you when we started we'd be going about 15 or 20 minutes, and we're a lot closer to an hour. And it's it, it okay, Pat. It didn't feel like it. it. It absolutely did not feel like it. I appreciate your time. This has been a blast. It's been great catching up with you, and I really do hope I get to see you sooner than later.
1: Absolutely, pal. We can all blame it on AM540 WDMV, a five-star station.
0: (laughs) It's four o'clock. You know, I used to joke that (laughs) we played beer ads at six o'clock in the morning during the news, and I'm like, who in God's name (laughs) thought of this? Little did I know, it was... Just the beginning of the wave of people doing that because, you know, here in New York, it happens all the time. We're playing beer spots during the morning, not during our morning news necessarily, but on the music stations. Um, It it certainly uh, is not a foreign concept.
1: Oh, no doubt. We always talked about come, come on down to Mitchell's Market and uh, get that twelve pack of Bud Light now. For in fact, I'm not even sure but was Bud Light even around in the late '80s. It might have been Miller, It might have been Miller Light. That might have been
0: the only light Miller beer at that time. Light, yes. Bud Light, maybe. Maybe. Oh, man, what does that tell you? <laughs> I know there were Strohs and Strohs Light, and they sold oh. those in thirty packs. So that was uh, when you're a poor college student and you want to drink beer. That's that's your go-to. Old Milwaukee's or Milwaukee's
1: best and old Oops. Milwaukee and oh, all of that stuff, dude, my man. friend.
0: <laughs> wow. Thankfully, we have come a long way from that, huh?
1: <laughs> Amen, brother. You got think, that right. Now I we're talking we IPAs we're... and, yeah. you know,
0: <laughs> Craft all that
1: stuff. Oh, yeah. Exactly.
0: Goodness gracious. Listen, I do appreciate the time. That's Pete Medhurst. I'm Mark Renee And, Petey, I just want to say thank you for taking a few minutes to play by play with me.
1: My pleasure, Mark. Thank you.